Hi, I'm Shivam. Hi, I'm Izzy. And this is Phoenix Chat. Where one of us can read. Which one? You, you find, find out. out. So, first of all, uh, welcome back to Phoenix Chat. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And is everyone ready to get on their togas and break out a glass of wine? Because we are talking about Theros. Hell first things first. yes! Oh, man. So, is you want to explain the premise of uh, Theros? <laughs> Take Greek mythology, Magic the Gathering, and Dungeons and Dragons, and mix that shit together. You have Theros. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the best explanation I can have. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, both of us got invited to a campaign that was um, using the source book for Theros and the campaign guide for it, and like, both of us are really, really excited for it because we're both huge like Percy Jackson fans and like Hades fans. Yeah, religiously like... playing Hades. <laughs> um, so. Oh my god, I am so excited for this, and just, like, the campaign book is so, so cool. So, um, do you want to talk about, like, the, the god system in, uh, Theros? Okay, so, let me pull up my handy-dandy, uh, Internet Explorer tab. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, we have the Elder God, Cruce, Crufix? Crufix, yes. Um, basically, he's the god of horizons, um, and the unknown. And, like, it's hard to ex describe what these things look like because it's, like, a body of stars and, like, four arms. I'm yeah. not sure how else, how to compare this to actual Greek gods, to be completely honest. It's, he, it's just, like, he's chilling. He's just a huge star thing. <laughs> but he's not, like, like, Nyx, like, goddess of the night or anything. He's just, like, this big dude. Um... We also got Helioid. He is the god of the sun, law, justice, retribution, and bonds of kinship. So, kind of like Apollo, but more like if Apollo had more sense of justice in the world, that would be Apollo. That is Heliod. Um, yeah, no, but like, I just really enjoy, like, the gods are kind of like, you can see that the inspiration comes from with, like, Helioid and Erebos uh, being, like, the god of the dead, for example. Um, but they're really kind of creating their, like, own lore with it. Um, yeah. Which is super duper cool to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just comparing it to, like, actual Greek gods, so that way it makes sense in my head who they are in comparison. Because this is a brand new world to me, because I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know what these are. But okay, they're just big dudes. Um, so Erebos is, like, the god of the dead, misfortune, ill fate, yeah, envy, bitterness, all the, you know, bad things. So, kind of like Hades. Um, Nylea? I hope I'm saying these right. Nylea? Nylea? I don't know. Um, goddess of the Hunt, Seasons, Forest, um, Hunger, Metamorphosis, Rebirth. So, Artemis, kind of, sort of. Kind of like a mix of Artemis and De uh, Demeter, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think my also my other favorite mechanic about Theros, then, is that, like, um, much like the Greek legends and myths, like, the gods are very, like, um, uh, involved in like the mortals lives mm -hmm. um, 
So uh, there's a little piety system in there where basically like you select one of these gods that like uh, Izzy just kind of talked about. Um, and you effectively are like, uh, you show your devotion to them by like doing certain things in their name. So like, um, do you want to uh, talk about one of the gods and like what you can do to like gain devotion with them? <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, okay, for example, let's say like Heliod. He, um, basically his temples are places of like charity and public service and, um, his name is invoked in matters of like morality and legality. So I feel like if you are, um, if you are doing something which you think is like for good cause, like for the public and whatnot, that I think that like gains his favor for you, um, some, something like that. Like he's, he's very like, kind of like the police of gods, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it depends on, like, it varies from, like, god to god. So, like, Helioid is very much, like, a lawful kind of god. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for example, Mogus is, like, the god of, like, uh, war. Um, and so, like, uh, you can gain, like, um, piety by, like, taking vengeance against people or, like, burning places to the ground. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, like, some fun things, too, where, like, your piety scores can diminish if you do things that are, like, uh, not, um in your, like, uh, God's favor. So if you, like, for Mogus, it's, like, uh, failing to carry out sworn vendettas or rejecting a duel or challenge out of fear. Um, and I think that's super, super cool because, like, you um, select one of these gods and you can, like, build a character around, like, the idea of, like, um, worshipping them and why your character has decided to worship this god above, like, all others. Mm -hmm. Um, and the best part is if you keep like doing these things like uh, role play, there's like actual game mechanics that reward you for that. So every time you basically complete a session in uh, Theros and you like completed uh, your your god's favor in some way, shape, or form, you gain like a piety point. And as you keep like gaining these piety points, you can gain like things like uh, extra spells, um, or you gain like um, immunity to being frightened. Um, all the way over to like getting 50 piety points you can basically increase um one of two stats on your sheet just by like two um which is so so cool to me mm-hmm. yeah um izzy do you want to talk about then like so both of us built characters for the theros campaign do you want to talk about why you picked the uh god you did and what uh, your god's all about <laughs> okay so i made a fish <laughs> i love her um so so basically how I make characters more more so, yes, I look at the gods and kind of see, okay, what, what can I work with? And then I look at what races, because this certain campaign can only allow certain races, like, based on where this is. So I was like, ooh, that's interesting. So um, I believe it's humans, um, lionin, leonin, like lion Leonin, like lion people, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, minotaurs, centaurs satyrs and tritons and i was like oh my gosh i'm being a fish absolutely <laughs> which shivam didn't realize when i drew her she has fish nets because she is a fish <laughs> and it's funny i'm dumb <laughs> it's hilarious okay anyway i decided to choose um uh kuranos 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 yeah something like that <laughs> god of the storms okay because mm-hmm. i was like oh dude Fish, lightning, and then one of my co-workers was like, oh, she's a fried fish. Okay, I get it. That's funny, <laughs> but not funny to me. She's... Stop. <laughs> um, so basically, he is... Um, 
I'm reading based off of this thing. It's Storms, Epiphanies, Quiet Insight, and Careless Destruction. So, he is known for blasting mortals with insights and lightning bolts in equal measure. So, I thought it would be really funny, because at first I wanted her to be, like, maybe a rogue. And I play rogue a lot, so I really like rogues. But I'm like, maybe I should try something else. And I was like, um, one of the things for uh, Karanos is you can be struck by lightning. And I'm like, oh, she's gonna get struck by lightning and get powers and be a sorcerer! Oh! <laughs> I'm very excited, and I have a brother who one of a, one of our uh, friends is also playing, and he's the angsty boy, and I'm like the yeah. bubbly one, and it's gonna be, and it's weird because I get to be the brains of the group. I, I'm yeah. so scared. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm normally the creative, like, oh, let's go and do this right now, and everyone's like, no, why? So now I'm like, oh, I have to be the no, why? Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Ah, uh, it's be fun. Um, yeah. No. So, what did you make? Uh, so, uh, of course, like we're we're both just like um, Hades simp's. Um, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I immediately like, where's the death gods at? Where are my death gods at? And so I immediately were just like, Athreos is super fucking cool. Hell yeah. Um, I basically decided to um build a soldier and uh he's based on the idea of the uh the real life historical band of thebes um so basically and this was a real thing in history um a 150 pairs of gay men basically enlisted into this um army and they were like this elite fighting force because like they were fighting by their lover and so like they couldn't show dishonor uh, besides like the man they loved um so uh, my character was a soldier who, like, uh, had a boyfriend, um, the, and they both kind of expected that, uh, they would, like, uh, die honorably in combat and, uh, be brought to Elysium, which is, like, the good place of the underworld. However, his boyfriend ended up dying and, uh, was brought to a different part of the underworld that isn't Elysium, so... Basically, he became a cleric of uh, Athreos in order to try and figure out, like, um, some way to uh, either bring his boyfriend back and, like, uh, have him have an honorable death, um, or move him to Elysium uh, with some kind of bargain. Dude, that's gonna be so good. I'm so excited. My fish ladies just was raised on a pirate ship with their brother. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no. It, it should be a seriously fun campaign, honestly. Oh, like, oh, I'm so, I'm so excited. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm so scared that I have to be the smart one. Yeah. Um, I gotta say though, like, I have been like the biggest proponent of just like, oh, I just use homebrew. I don't use like any of like the the source books or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. and like, the the Theros like, um, source book is honestly like really really good and really, really appealing to me because like. It adds so much that you like wouldn't expect. Um, just kind of like thinking by yourself and like having all this like pre-established lore gives you like so much room as a DM to explore like ideas and uh, stuff with like a campaign based in the universe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I really really like this book and I really hope that Wizards of the Coast like releases more books like this in different like settings. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so excited to play this game. Not even kidding. Like, just Greek mythology, and then D&D. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> yeah, should be fun. Um, 
But yeah, so you guys want to get back into talking about our Homebrew Phoenix Heart campaign, though? Yeah! <laughs> Alright, so when we last left off our heroes, um, they were we... all standing in front of a burning train. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna go say, ahead. we watched the train burn away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, so when that happened... Boondock, I believe, was the only one who saw Essen actually transform into a god. So when we all met up, Boondock didn't say a goddamn word. At all. <laughs> About any of it. And then, uh, pretty much everyone saw this fox on a horse and was like, yep. mm, where's Julia? I don't know. Alright, cool. She's probably dead or something. Let's go. Like <laughs> Ditched her in the desert. <laughs> Rude. Absolutely rude. Oh my god. <laughs> I just wanted to see. Like, I stayed a fox. Like, I could have turned back in at any time I wanted, but I wanted to stay and see mm. what they would do. And these fuckers were like, mm, she's dead. <laughs> they called okay. your bluff, dude. They called yeah. your bluff. <laughs> so bold. No, they didn't. I, I turned back and they're like, oh, hey. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> 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 oh my god. Yeah. Um, so, Essen at this point did not have a horse, so I believe he hopped aboard, uh, the, the horse with a head, just a fox on it. <laughs> yeah, and he was just, like, you know, petting the fox, and, like, Juliet's like, alright, weirdo, but okay. Actually, wait, my favorite tiny little detail, uh, about that was that, um, he, Essen walks over to the, um, horse with a fox on it, he tries to, like, move, like, the, the fox so he can sit in front. The fox then yips at him and tells, uh, tells him to fucking get in the back. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, no, 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 no. She didn't yip at him. She full-on, like, bark screamed at him, not, yeah. like, just, ah! Just get away! <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, please look up fox noises on YouTube or something, please. It is so worth your time. <laughs> yeah, so Essen heads <laughs> behind the fox, just taking orders from this apparently sentient animal. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody questioned it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So, from then, uh, after she turned back and whatnot, we were all heading toward uh, Hope's Landing with just horses. And we also had all of the hostages tied up to the back of uh, Boondock's horse. So, when we, we camped out, I believe, uh, Titus tried to shoot Boondock again, like, right after waking up, after we, like, knocked him out. And Boondock just straight up, like, blew his hand off. Yeah. And we were like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so Titus then revealed that, like, um, he w was desperate to kill Boondock because Boondock had a bounty on his head, and, like, if Titus couldn't get, like, the, the money um, together, then um, he would not have been able to pay for an operation for his sister. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so, I really enjoyed coming up with that backstory for Titus and, like, why he did this, you know, very, like, horrible right. thing uh, mm -hmm. to one of his childhood friends. Um, but, yeah, it was honestly just, like, um, I, I really recommend doing this to kind of, like, lawful characters. Don't do this, obviously, all the time, but having, like, Yes, torture villains... them continuously. <laughs> um, having villains that are somewhat sympathetic... Um, 
really kind of like adds a bit of like moral dilemma to your party and kind of like mm-hmm. tries to make them think like oh like do we kill this person or like do we try to give them another chance because they're like misguided um it, it, it really kind of starts to like bring role play into mechanics uh, which mm-hmm. is what i absolutely love about D. yes mm-hmm. um yeah so then you tie up the um the bandits to the horses and then i believe um you turned back, and I think Essen at this point was kind of, like, panicking a little bit. I think this was the start of uh, the ship between Essen and Juliet. <laughs> yes, so basically Essen was having, like, a whole moral breakdown because he just realized that he let the Kieran take over his body. And he was, like, mm-hmm. freaking the fuck out. And he's like, oh my god, I need... He, he He's a very, like, um... What's the word I want to say? Like, like touch-starved, I, I guess? Or, like, physical comfort kind mm-hmm. of dude. So yeah. he basically hugged Juliet from behind, and she's like, what? What the fuck? What are, you, <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, can you just please let me just sit here for, like, a second? And she's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and um, finally, once he got over it, he kept trying to touch her tail, and she's like, bro, I will slap you. Quit it. <laughs> and after a little bit, after they, like, continue down the road, she eventually lets him touch her tail, to like calm him down more because she realizes that's that's what he wanted was to like just physical touch and like uh, I'm assuming a fox tail is super soft so you know um so that was the start of the surprising ship that I didn't think was gonna happen but it happened like that was just like the small tiny seeds that we didn't think was that anything was gonna happen from it um so as we're going we realize we are in a desert. Hops is a frog. Yeah. Hops will dry um, out and die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Grung can only live with uh, without being like submerged in water for six days before they will die of exhaustion. They literally take a, a level of exhaustion if they're not submerged in water for at least an hour every day. Jeez. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of rough, but like Grung also have a lot of like very very strong features that like. That's they, fair. They, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they, they start traveling through the desert, like, um, as hops is starting to dry up, and you guys eventually, uh, make camp, uh, for the first night. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't think anything particular happened, other than, um, we found out Titus needed the money for his sister's operation. Um, we found out all three of the assassins had a personal vendetta against Boondock. <laughs> yeah favorite little tiny moment from that scene was that um yeah you you asked the other guy and they uh said something about like oh um you like uh killed my father and like uh for because he had to resort to banditry to put like food on the table and then like you still had like uh like the gag over the woman because she was like a spellcaster and she just i just said like well if she like anger uh mutters out like uh probably something that's related to like a backstory and you doing something bad to her that caused her to have a vendetta against you yeah we were like no we're not taking any chances you can mumble your way <laughs> around but yeah oh man <laughs> yeah good times good times um and then in the morning Titus started to warm up to us a little bit because like I, I think Boondock was the one who talked to him and whatnot. um yeah and then we headed out 
Um, we're like on the outskirts of town now of uh, Hope's Landing, and we head through a valley, and we see like this destroyed like caravan, like just sitting in the middle of this like of this like canyon almost, and it looks like it has magical goods. And Juliet, being fucking nosy, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, being herself, decides, oh, I'm gonna dig through all this shit, and she found a whip. <laughs> And she was like, oh, oh, a whip. Essen really wanted the whip. And she's like, oh. And then uh, an antlion came out of the ground. And we're like, oh, well, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how I had this like encounter planned out in my head was this. Um, the antlion appears, and it was going to be like this kind of like difficult fight for you guys to do. And you guys would have to figure out, like, oh, do we, want, do we want to stay and, like, uh, fight the creature and get all of the loot from it? Or do we just want to, like, try and take the loot and run? Um, but, however, the, the thing I forgot to account for is monks are bullshit. Um, <laughs> monks are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bit of a balance problem in uh, D&D, and I honestly wouldn't say it's a problem, which is kind of me messing up how to do this, but... Um, if you start each day with a long rest, you should have about like um, six to eight encounters a day to like balance it out before your next long rest. However, when you're doing travel, I figure that like you only probably want like um, maybe one encounter per like um, uh, day or so because like I'm not gonna do like six encounters before you get to Hope's Landing or so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so. With that, Hops had all of her key points and decided, uh, well, I'm just gonna try and stunning strike with every hit. Um, then, like, burned, like, three of her, like, key points, and the last one she managed to, like, stun it. Um, and as soon as the mo the singular monster was stunned, everyone else can immediately pile on damage uh, for an entire round while the monster can do literally nothing back. Um... Yep. So you guys then just, like, all started just curb-stomping the monster? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, and it got to a point where you were like, okay, I think the monster's gonna run away now, and I was like, I It was literally limping won. away. No, I sliced its tail <laughs> off. Yeah. And then its mandibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I you sliced the tail those. off from the mandibles. You do still have those. And Boondock then rushed after the monster and then started using his gun tar to beat the monster beat the, to death. Yeah. Pretty much. We bullied the shit out of that ant. I'm not kidding. We're like, well, that was easy. And you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely hard to balance content around, like, uh, moving from location to location. Um, what I've heard of the solution, and I do kind of like this, and I might, like, um, do this, like, next time, is that um, when you're moving from location to location, you switch to the gritty realism rules, which means that... Um, uh, if you camp out for the night, um, that's only a short rest, and uh, in order to actually get a long rest, you you need to spend an actual week um, resting. Mm. So basically, when you travel, you can only take short rest, and like you you uh, almost basically can't take a long rest unless you really decide to uh, wait this one week out and uh, you know um, lose a hell of a lot of time in your travel. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, so I, I do really like that, and I might uh, play around with that, but honestly, I think it's actually kind of nice to have a couple of encounters where you guys just curb-stomp monsters, because, like, 
D&D, it can be fun, like, uh, just having a little bit of, like, a power fantasy sometimes. So, like, yeah. you know, just tossing in, like, a couple encounters that don't really matter, but just give your chances, your players a chance to just, like, show off their cool abilities. Oh, yeah. That, that's always just, like, a very easy way to keep your players engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, and considering, like, if it's just wilderness travel, quote-unquote, the fights don't really matter. Um, so, it, it, yeah, just, like, occasionally give your players just a chance to curb stomp something <laughs> that's, that's my advice for this session it'll make us feel so much better <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it makes them feel better than when you pull the rug out from underneath them and give them difficult encounters that they can't mm. just like curb like, stomp their way through yeah like almost every npc that we've met so far <laughs> okay okay i might have a problem with npcs yeah. betraying you <laughs> yeah, uh, might <laughs> okay okay bud anyway moving forward so we kill the thing mm -hmm. we pretty much demolish the thing um and then Juliet is like okay I want to find more cool shit starts digging around finds a purple katana that glows and she's like ooh this is amazing and just gives the whip to us and she just give a shit she wants the sword because like that's yeah. that's how she was raised sword <laughs> cool shit absolutely and then we mm -hmm. also found some armor for boondock because i don't think did boondock ever have armor um before he this? did so uh, as a bard you start with medium armor um and as soon as he got to fifth level i think he took heavy armor master but like he still only had medium armor um right. and it was kind of, yeah it's rough as a Valor Bard because, like, you, um, need Constitution just because, like, you're kind of a tankier character now and you're, like, a frontline fighter. Mm -hmm. You need Charisma because you're a Bard and that's how you spellcast. It's Bard, And you yeah. also need either Strength or Dexterity because, um, that's how you fight with, like, a melee weapon. And so, uh, Boondock's player was very insistent that, like, well, he wants- I want him to be, like, a, a strong boy sheriff. Um... And so, like, uh, he really wanted to use the strength stat for his attacks and stuff like that, and just have, like, expertise in athletics so he could just, like, you know, grapple things and lift things and just generally be a strong boy. Yes. Um, yeah, so having heavy armor master, and especially because we only started at, like, level three, there was definitely, like, the first encounter he was kind of screaming because, like, his AC was extremely low and he just needed so much more, like, stats in order to make his build good, but, like... As soon as you got heavy armor master and like uh, me just being able to toss like heavy armor at him for free, he became an infinitely better character. And like, honestly, as DM, really make sure to like uh, give your players those kinds of handouts that they need in order to like make a bad build into a usable one. <laughs> oh yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, and then magical items. So yeah. So what did you think then about your um, your purple ghost? At first, I was like, hmm, this is very convenient. This is, must be a trap. Why is there a katana of all things in the middle of a fucking desert? Hmm. And then I got over it because it was cool. And I was like, all right, cool. I have a, like a basically a purple lightsaber. This is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with this, um, this is definitely like a high magic items campaign. And so I am on the personal mindset that like, if you're playing a strictly like melee character like rogues, fighters, blood hunters, you need a magical weapon period um, by like yes. the time you get to level 5 or so because like 
D&D core books say, like, yes, you can get away with just having, like, non-magical weapons, and then you'll eventually just upgrade to, like, a silvered weapon or something. Um, but I really think that, like, because the melee classes are so much, like, they, they, they can definitely can feel weaker than the spellcasters, they really need the, uh, the magic weapons in order to, like, tune them up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so, you guys basically got, like, a homebrewed, uh, custom weapons, which I kind of tried to, like, tailor around each person. Um, they didn't really do, like, a ton much more, but they kind of, like, added things or, like, played into your builds. Um, so, like, for Essen, it just added, like, a little bit, like, uh, of, like, raw damage and, like, an AoE, because as a Blood Hunter, you really can't do, like, area of effect damage, uh, so I decided to give him just, like, a little bit of, uh, that to kind of, like, patch up that, um, hole in his build. And then with the purple ghost, I believe that just, like, gave you a free throwing knife that you could use all the time? Yes! So, when we got these, when we got these weapons, we wanted to try them out, obviously, because, you know, it's a brand new shiny toy. So, I renamed my sword purple ghost because it looked cool. Mm-hmm. And it sounded cool, so you know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Style points. Okay, so I renamed it Purple Ghost because I thought, you know, it looks cool and it sounds cool because it glows. It kind of looks like ghosties, you know. Um, <laughs> purple lightsaber, what is. So as I'm like swinging it around, all of a sudden... So if any of you are familiar with Percy Jackson, either the terrible <laughs> movie or the amazing book series, you know how there's like a pen in his pocket, turns into a sword, and then when he throws the sword, the pen reappears in his pocket. That's basically what happened, but it's not a pen. It's a ghost kunai, like, it's like, it glows, like, it's like, what did you describe it as, like, ethereal, almost? Ethereal purple, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a kunai, and I threw it, and it came back in my hand, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, call me Naruto Uzumaki, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man. And I just want to put this out there. I wanted to give you a throwing knife you could use and just, like, it, it, you would always get, like, a throwing knife in your hand because I really wanted you to be able to, like, have an option so you could stay in the back line and not get hit every single fight because you're a very, very squishy character. Now, when um, has that worked? I think once, and that's it. Mm -hmm, yeah, that I have I, decided to fight from the back. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I tried to make it so that you had the option, but then you decided to ignore me and just like, oh, I can use the kunai to make a second attack on my turn. Of course, that's what I'm going to do every single time as I taunt every monster into attacking me with my zero constitution. I just want to put this out there. <laughs> there has been uh, at least, I want to say, three moments of me just, like, doing some DM fiat in order to, like, not immediately kill you with the, uh, um, outright damage rule. Um, there, there were several times where Julia could have been no more. <laughs> but go on. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> skirting past that. <laughs> now that fear is in my mind for tonight's freaking session. Okay. <laughs> um, 
anyway, um, and then Essen got the whip, and the whip had, like, cool, like, Sakura cherry blossoms on it, and when he snapped it, um, like, actual Sakura blossoms came out of it and started, like, dancing across the air, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> and I went to go and touch one. <laughs> And then it fucking exploded. And I was like, holy shit. Why are they exploding? Is this the fucking Hunger Games? Is this where Prim dies? Like, what do you want from me? It's just such a great little moment of like, I should tell her this, but also it'd be really, really funny if I didn't. What if I got one hit KO'd there? Like... Completely. I would have been so yeah. bad. I didn't feel too bad because it's only like a D4 win. of damage. But it was hilarious to see like, oh, like she goes into cat mode, like wide-eyed in the middle of like all these like pedals. And then I'm like, okay, the pedals start going like fucking exploding around you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Impulsiveness oh for the God. win, everyone. If you ever decide to play an impulsive character, don't. <laughs> It's not fun anymore. <laughs> As a DM, please do. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so he re we renamed it Sakura yes. Snap. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. So that is that is what happened. And then we found the armor, gave the armor to Boondock, and uh, then we headed, I think we headed out a little bit, and then took watch in the canyon for that night day. And this is where the ship kind of yeah. sailed, finally. So, we took watches, that as, as you do, and Essen and Juliet went first. And they were just, and at first you were like, okay, just roll perception rolls and we're going to move on. I'm like, I want to okay. talk to him. And you're like, oh, yeah. shit. So, okay. here's what happened here. Guess I'll um, step aside. In my last, like, campaign, reminder, this is like the third session of this campaign. But in my last campaign, I would, like, have to fucking, like, prompt people and bribe people with inspiration points to get them to talk to each other in character. The characters never told each other their backstory until the fucking, like, fourth arc or something. Yeah, that's fair. They didn't, But I yeah. wanted to talk to him, and you were like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 um, I didn't know that you guys would just take initiative on your own like this. It was great. I well, fucking loved it. Well, you know what? Well, now you know, yeah. so... <laughs> So I was just like, I just wanted to get to know him because he's like the br he's like a brand new person. I have no idea who this guy is. I just know he hitched a ride with us. I guess he didn't die in the train. Good job, dude. And he helped us fight. So I was like, okay, cool. He's he's chill. He's chill. And I was just talking with him, and I was like, so what's what's the deal with your with the touch? Why 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 are you weird? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just I haven't been touched in a long like not weird, but like I haven't been held or like embraced in a long time. And she's like, oh, okay. Do you want, like, a hug? And he was like, what's that? And I was like, oh my god. Or no, no, it was a high five. I was high fiving him. And he was like, what is that? I'm like, high five, bro. <laughs> and then I hugged him. And he started to cry. And I was like, what What are you doing? And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, I just haven't been, like, embraced in a long time. And I was just like, crying's for damsels. Knock it the fuck off. <laughs> 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 oh, the most iconic line of the campaign. The <laughs> cryings for damsels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that is like, easily like Juliet's quote. Period. Oh, like, ab absolutely. Like, there's nothing else that you need to know other than she's a drunk and crying is for damsels. That's it. Period. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Um, not all this cool backstory stuff. No, no, no. Just these two things. <laughs> so. 
they had a moment and he was just like, oh my gosh, she's okay. She's cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm just a dumbass. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, You told him that in character. <laughs> in ca- no, I <laughs> And then once our watch ended, then it shifted over, I think, to Boondock and Hobbs. And nothing really happened with them. Um, and then it was Morgan by himself. And yeah. Morgan went over to Titus and started talking with him. And if you want to explain it better, I can. Yeah. I can kind so, of remember. This was such a, like, really choice scene in, uh, because. Um, I was looking at my notes the other day and realized, like, oh my god, this scene was supposed to happen so fucking differently. What I intended to happen with the scene was this. Um, you thought that the woman was the only, like, spellcaster. However, um, Titus and the, uh, other guy also had, like, the spells on their ability list. They, they're also sharing, like, the same stat block. Um, so I'm like, okay, as soon as it's just Morgan on watch, both of them are going to cast Suggestion on Morgan in order to get them to, uh untie the bandits and the bandits would like take all your horses and leave you stranded and hope are you fucking uh, serious yeah that's that's actually how it was supposed to happen oh my Um, god instead morgan started talking to uh titus and morgan started talking like uh hey so like why'd you do this whole thing and titus kind of like uh he was being his like usual edgy boy self and kind of like you wouldn't understand um Morgan eventually kept, like, inquiring, though, and Titus eventually said, like, yeah, no, I needed the money for uh, my sister's operation. And that, um, Reverend Salt, um, was the person he was supposed to give the money to, and, uh, his sister would eventually be cured of the, uh, illness. Um, and so, um, Morgan then just, like, had this really great character moment where he just says, like, oh, um, how much do you need? I'll pay for it right now. And so, like, Titus just kind of stared at him, like, real confused, wondering what Morgan's angle was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually kind of figured out, like, no, Morgan has just literally decided to just do this. He doesn't want anything in return, nothing. He just wants to help Titus's sister, just because Titus's sister needs help. Um, and that was probably the turning point where I realized, like, I can fucking do something with Titus here, and decided to, like, instead of having him, like, go forth with this, like, whole, like, villain arc, and said, like, yeah, no, he's gonna try and, like, um, have, like, a bit of a redemption arc here, and gonna try and, like, help you guys out, um, because, wow, that was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, like, it really told a lot about Morgan's character, because, like, from, from here, from, to this point, I just, I didn't really get a good read on what Morgan was, other than, like, a really good, like, boy like that was it like that, yeah he was just a good guy and helped us like helped us that was it like yeah he found a train whistle and that was cute but like that was all i knew so this <laughs> was like a really good moment to like figure out who he was as like his personal like just thoughts and morals and stuff like he was willing to give his own gold for somebody else he barely even ever knew and i'm like that is like so selfless and i'm like wow if only i could learn that's that's nice <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, man, so fucking good. I absolutely, I adored that moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, but, like, wow, I had to just kind of throw my, like, plans out the window because I realized, like, yeah, no, this is a much better angle to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that also just kind of helps, though, like, whenever I plan out a campaign, I try not to plan out, like, 
this event will happen. I plan it out as in, like, the characters are planning to do this, and then, like, you guys can react to it however you choose to, and, like, uh, however they react is however, uh, uh, you guys decide to react. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so, because all I had planned out was that they, they're going to attempt to do this, um, it, it was very, very easy for me to immediately shift gears and be like, yep, nope, redemption arc, this is gonna be, this is too good to, to, to not take. Right. Um, Oh my god, that was so, so good. <laughs> yes. So, after that whole incursion thing, uh, we all got up, and we all finally arrived at Hope's Landing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you BS'd all of this. Yes, yes I did. Because <laughs> I kind of assumed, like, um, oh, the, uh, the monster was gonna be a really tough fight, so you guys are gonna spend, like, a bit of time on it. Um, Wrong. and then you guys didn't in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> And you basically just kind of like breezed past it and realized like, I have no notes for this, but I'm like, well, how hard could it really be to improv this entire intro part? And so I just kind of asked you guys like, uh, what, what, what do you guys want to want to do in town, I guess? Uh. We all kind of um, went along with it too. I, ha I honestly had no idea that you bullshitted any of this until you told me and I was like, no way. You did a pretty yeah. good job. I, I got really lucky with it because like you guys just played into like the western tropes and stuff like that oh, yeah. and I could just like and you guys also like you, you guys are very very good about telling me um what your characters want to do instead of waiting for like the plot to come find you um so I can just kind of like wrap the plot around like uh your character goals and what you guys are trying to accomplish and then mm -hmm. just like present complications in that way mm -hmm. um yeah, so I believe your first then option, then you decided to split up between the uh, uh, the shop, which Morgan went to, the bar, which Juliet and Essen went to, and Ma Boondock's place, which um, Boondock and Hops went to. Yes. So we we focused on um, Hops and Ma Boondock and Boondock because, you know, Hops is... The story, the, yes. <laughs> Hops, and I quote... Needed to wet herself. <laughs> okay, so, um, th this is one of those things where, like, the player and the character really kind of just, like, the, the brain cells collided there, because the player in real life, um, she'll occasionally say things without, like, realizing the meanings behind them. <laughs> um, but it was so you know. funny. She, she just kind of, like, says these kinds of things and then realizes, like, oh, I shouldn't have said it. That was, like, a, an innuendo, wasn't it? And just kind of, like, oops, shrugs, walks off. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just so funny, man. Um, so we finally meet Mom Boondock, which is Boondock's mom. Um, yeah. She's also a satyr and a druid and protects the oasis that is Hope's Landing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the oasis of Hope's Landing is, like, the only reason Hope's Landing can even exist in the first place because, like... It's the only, like, uh, place that they can, like, grow, like, food and get, like, clean water. Um, so, Ma Boondock basically distributes a lot of the food and water to people in town. Um, and, of course, the Oasis is constantly under attack because bandits, you know, want to claim the food and water for themselves and effectively gain control of Hope's Landing. Um, so, uh, when I was kind of trying to figure out Ma Boondock, I was kind of thinking, like, hmm, um, how would it work for, like, this very, like, stoic, serious satyr? How would he have been raised? Um, and so I realized, like, wait, what if it was the character was just kind of, like, very similar to Boondock, but also just, like, ever so slightly motherly? Mm -hmm. Um, so, 
what I had for her intro scene was that Ma Boondock um, greeted Boondock, gave him like a, a quick like hug, make sure he was all right, and you know doing all these motherly things. Um, Boondock asked his mom like, uh, "So how have things been in uh, Hope's Landing since I've been gone? No, no trouble or anything like that." And Ma Boondock just kind of shrugged and says like, "Well, there was a little bit of trouble." Um, as as she points to the um, the fucking like uh, tied up bandits she's captured behind her. Um, and she says, like, yeah, no, uh, I think my gun name was a little bit off, but uh, still managed to get the job done just right. Oh, yeah. And oh, as yeah. she smiled, like, for the first time in the campaign, Boondock, like, also cracked, like, this huge grin, which I absolutely just loved that character moment. Oh, absolutely. Like, dude, your mom just beat up some bandits. That's pretty badass. Like... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, and it's really fun to just play in the space of, like, this very motherly character who will just fucking, like, shoot a man <laughs> on sight. Oh, absolutely, sight. no hesitation. <laughs> yeah, no, it was what an icon. such a... Mm -hmm, yeah, it's honestly one of my favorite NPCs to play. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, Hops finally wet herself, and, um, <laughs> Ma Boondock started talking about, uh, things happening in town, kind of just been saying, like, um, I don't remember if Ma Boondock also gave you the information that, like, um, the, the townsfolk were, like, being threatened by some kind of, like, bandit organization, but, um, Ma Boondock was stuck protecting the Oasis and can't really do much to investigate, uh, the bandit incursion. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and as that was happening, then we then cut to the bar, <laughs> if you want to go oh, ahead. Oh my gosh. So, Juliet, being the alcoholic she is, would mm. immediately go find the bar first, out of everything. Yeah. Like, food, water, no, 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 the bar. Obviously, <laughs> the bar. So, they go in, and it is the most depressing bar she has ever seen in her entire life. Yeah. And oh, that's I will sad. Know. You guys, uh, I, I asked you guys if you wanted to kick down the saloon doors, but you guys refused, and that made me sad. Why? <laughs> because it's the Western trope. You, you gotta kick down the saloon doors when you enter the bar. Yeah, but You the, gotta. Oh my gosh. Well, it didn't happen. Okay. Next it's time. the law. Okay. The next time we go to Hope's Landing, she's gonna find Festus and kick him through the through the doors. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, that's another NPC we'll discuss in just a second. Yeah. So we go in and it is so depressing. Everyone's like quiet. Nothing's happening. Like, so she goes up to the to the. Uh, bartender is like the strongest drink you have please and her name is uh mama yeah like yeah and she was like oh, okay you're like a tiny fox lady why why would you <laughs> of all people want the strongest drink and she's like just trust me downs it no hesitation no flinching whatsoever and she's like oh shit okay yeah. <laughs> um so she looks around and she starts asking questions like, "What what's going on lately? Like, why are why is everyone depressed and whatnot?" And uh, she was explaining stuff about the um, the gangs and whatnot. She's like, "Well, that sucks. Hey, do you have music?" Like, completely disregards what's happening with the bandits and stuff. She's like, "I I want to have a fun time." So she th she finds a piano, and based yeah. on her background. <laughs> only plays like some classical shit nothing like cheery or anything <laughs> until Essen manages to convince her to play one song that's mm. 
somewhat westerny, and he tries to sing, and he's tone deaf. <laughs> oh, that was great. And she's like, oh shit, I gotta sing over him really loud so he'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, and some people are starting to kind of, like, get into it, and then I was like, yeah, it's because you guys made, like, the character goal of, like, oh, you need to, like, cheer up these, like, uh, bar patrons, um, which, by the way, would just apropos of nothing, um, I decided, like, alright, I'll just keep, like, giving you guys, like, some obstacles and stuff like that, and you guys can try and give me ways that you're going to cheer these patrons up, um, so then we went into the drinking contest, didn't we? <laughs> oh, my god, so she looks around to find... The one who had the most drinks around him. Like, the one she mm. would think, oh, this guy is totally going to put up a fight with drinking. Hey, hey, you want to have a drinking contest? And it's this it's this man. His name is Festus. Yeah? Yeah. Um, this is, <laughs> like, shruggy-looking old man. Just, like, yeah. one drink, Mustache he's already out. covering his mouth. <laughs> yeah, like, he doesn't actually speak words. He mumbles things. Yeah. <laughs> one drink, he's out. And she's like, well, that fucking sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I you I I would try to set up the drinking contest so you guys had to make like uh, increasingly higher constitution saves and like I think Festus rolled like a three on his first save so I'm like okay I guess he's down. <laughs> I'm like well that that's depressing. Yeah. Someone else then immediately like steps up to the plate and you guys actually have a drinking contest and start like to kind of rile up the crowd a little bit because people are starting to like um bet on you uh, two um, and who's gonna actually like manage to hold out here mm-hmm. um, I, I think you do manage to hold out though and like I, uh, oh yeah but it. she was so drunk <laughs> yep <laughs> so drunk but while all that was happening Essen was actually trying to actually you know do what was asked of him to like you know mm-hmm. let's figure out some stuff about the gang and stuff and Juliet nah let's fucking drink it's yeah. fine <laughs> Essen then kind of like uh, he he talks to one person and he keeps like failing his persuasion rolls unfortunately so um, the first person immediately like clams up and eventually like uh, refuses to talk to him so he tries to talk to someone else who's like this big burly guy mm-hmm. um, yeah Essen then talks to him the burly guy then like uh, as soon as he starts asking questions I believe about like um, Mr. Salt and the Hydra Gang in general um, the burly guy then excuses himself. Um, then I believe that uh, uh, I we we cut back to Juliet, who was um, if you actually want to explain what you were trying to do here at this point. <sighs> so you know when you have a good idea, and then that good idea turns horrible in the best way possible to everybody else but you. That's what happened oh here. This is what happens a lot with her. Like such a good idea, execution awful. Yep. Results may vary. Like <laughs> So she's drunk off her ass because this is this is not the 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 drinks that she's used to in the Jackal's Den. Which Jackal's Den I feel like has pretty hard liquor. This is like the equivalent of moonshine in the West. So she's drunk off her ass, goes up to this guy and attempts to cabedon. And if you don't know what cabedon means, it literally means like you're pushing a person up against the wall and you're like slamming their your uh, hand next to their like head. Uh, just it's like an intimidating thing that is sometimes alluring. Eh, results may vary, but she doesn't use her hand. No, she uses her fucking steel-toed boots 
And kicks through the wall. And kicks through the wall, <laughs> right near his head. And this poor man is like, oh my god, what the fuck? And trying to seduce him, like, hey. <laughs> you kept trying to seduce him, but I just kept playing the guy as, like, more and more fearful as, like... <laughs> You're increasingly more, like, drunk and erratic and just, like, you know, like, uh, you're stumbling around and you, like, almost fucking, like, headbutt him trying to, like, lean in close. Yeah. And you're just increasingly more like, God, please don't hurt me. It was so, like, his hands were up, he was shaking, he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I just want information. It's fine. It's fine. Just let, tell me what. And eventually he yeah. tells, he tells me where the Hydra gang is located. And I was like, ah, alright, cool. And then he runs yeah. away. <laughs> you also told him like um you you, you uh, asked him like uh, oh like uh, where's the Hydra gang anyways and like he, the guy terrified of his mind said like oh uh, Hydra gang's in the outskirts of the town that's all I know and then you like lean in like real close and like you're not one of the Hydra gang members are you and the man like starts to like uh, lower his sleeves and stuff like that and says no 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 I'm not a Hydra gang member all the Hydra gang members have um snake tattoos on their wrists um mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and after you get, like, this information, he eventually just, like, scurries out of the bar, terrified for yeah. his life. <laughs> but you did yeah. eventually get that information. Like... Oh, yes, yes, well, next session. Next session. Um, and poor Essen, having to take care of a drunk Juliet. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um... <sighs> And then, meanwhile, meanwhile, the third scene that was happening concurrently was Morgan went to the shop to go buy some ammo. Um, he walks in the, the shopkeep store, and um, the shopkeep tells him that the ammo is five times more expensive than it should be. Um, and so Morgan's like, that's really expensive. Uh, can I just get some scrap metal so I can make my own ammo? Um, and so, like, the guy eventually acquiesces, gives him some scrap ammo, and... Um, when all three, all, all the party like meets up back together, Boondock sees um, Morgan just like sitting in the sand, making his like own ammo. Just like what, what the hell are you doing, Morgan? Um, and Morgan tells him like, yeah, I was gonna buy some ammo, but it's like way more expensive than it should be. Um, so Boondock picks uh, Morgan up and basically just kind of like storms into the shopkeeper's. Um, uh, office basically just like uh, don't ever talk to me or my son ever again and tries to figure out like why the hell is ammo so goddamn expensive all of a sudden here <laughs> um, and the shopkeep also gives him some uh, plot critical info by saying that like oh um, the Hydra gang has eventually like uh, enforced this like uh, tariff on the town and so that um, all the ammo in town is uh, pretty goddamn expensive uh, for anyone who's a, who isn't a Hydra member, because they're trying to make sure that, like, no one has the equipment to, uh, storm the Hydra base. Right. Um, and so that, uh, eventually, I think, um, Boondock tries to intimidate him, but I think you're the one that sealed the deal there. <laughs> so, imagine, picture this, picture this. So there's Boondock, big iron on his hip, Morgan, <laughs> talking to this man. I think, I don't know how Boondock failed, because I thought their intimidation thing was, like, a lot the higher than I thought, but I guess yeah, not. I think they rolled like a six, and then it was totaled to like a fourteen. <laughs> yeah, and poor and Boondock was trying his best, and all of a sudden Juliet just fucking slams in, <laughs> tail poofy, like yeah. you know how when cats get scared, their tail just. 
poofs and like I like to imagine her hair like Studio Ghibli hair which is like poofy whenever they get like emotions and shit scares the fucking shit out of this man by just looming behind Moondog <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so eventually the man eventually like says like okay 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 uh, I'll sell you the ammo at normal price but like please go and take care of the Hydra gang um so I don't get like you know killed by them for doing this um with to which boondock agrees and i have a confession about this scene this scene only um happened the way it did because i'm an idiot a i have a firearms table and um including on that table is like uh the gold price for ammo as well as the amount of ammo you can get from it so it's like um 4 GP for, um, 20 rounds of ammo. I read the thing backwards. And instead of doing 4 GP for 20 ammo, I did 20 GP for 5 ammo. Um, so... Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, uh, it was just this insanely overpriced thing because I fucked up reading the table, but then I managed to just kind of, like, play it off as this, like, oh, it's, it's plot relevant. I don't know how it worked that well. Honestly, <laughs> I have no idea how it worked that well either. I'm like, what? How do you, how do you read that weird? Like, <laughs> uh, it happens. But it all worked out, and you guys thought it was like, ah, he's been planning this from the beginning. From the um, beginning. But no, that was literally spur of the moment, just like me kind of panicking, <laughs> reading the tables wrong. Yeah. And it worked out, I guess. <laughs> oh, so I, we have some notes here to look off of. I remembered something before we even got to this part. So after he agreed to sell it correctly, Juliet drunkenly called Cass. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Um. And was like, Cass, what's up, buddy? <laughs> like, you know how when have you ever had a drunk person call you, like, just to talk? And it's so funny. Mm. That's what happened. Dude, I Okay. A slight um tangent. I I've been that drunk person. <laughs> I mean same. So um sophomore year, um, I went out to go party with some uh frat boys because I, I don't actually know it's, why. It's college. Um, you, you do things. Yeah. Um. I thought, like, I would be fine just, like, keeping pace with these guys, but these guys would, like, party, oh like, God. every single weekend had way higher of a tolerance than I did. Um. So, like, they said, like, oh, yeah, just, like, bring, like, a water bottle. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay. They drained my water bottle, and then they fucking, like, filled it up with, uh, fucking... Vodka. Uh, vodka. Um. Oh, my God. Yep. So, oh my and then they said like cheers and started like fucking chugging it. And so I didn't want to like pussy out there. So I'm like, all right, I'll oh chug it too. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, the night ended uh, <laughs> at somewhere around like 1 a.m. or so. Um, I texted one of my friends saying like, yo, I'm so fucking out of it right now. I think this entire thing's a dream, but it's not a dream right now. So I'm going to text you the code word salamander. And I need you to tell me salamander in the morning so I know that this isn't a fucking dream. <laughs> you, you <have> <laughs> and, <no words. laughs> 
I woke up really fucking hungover. Oh my god. I just like say a fucking like buzz, uh, I look at my phone, and my friend just like sends me salamander. <laughs> and then immediately just sends back, you're a fucking dipshit. <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna do that the next time I get drunk. That's such a good idea. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, sorry, yeah, so Juliet decided to ca call Cass drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Basically doing this. Thank you so much for this background information. I'm going to keep over your head for a long time now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Mm -hmm. um, she just she just calls Cass drunk. Because Cass is like her father figure. So who, who's she going to talk to? You know, dad. Yeah. Hey, dad. I'm drunk. <laughs> 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 oh my god. And poor Essen is like, I'm so sorry, Serge. I don't know what's happening. I cannot keep yeah. her under control. Cass is totally, like, used to it. This isn't the first time you called him drunk. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> but what's funny is, back, like, going back to, like, the first session, he turns and looks over, and I think, um, Boondock is talking with Faith at the same time that I called Cass. That's, that's what egged me on to call Cass, was Boondock had to call Faith. Yeah. And... <laughs> He's like, hey, babe, look, Juliet's drunk. And I was like, oh, babe, what? <laughs> and there's fucking Faith. And I was like, oh, my God, they're dating. And then Juliet starts crying. She's like, I want a babe, too. <laughs> Just starts crying. <laughs> yeah, as Essen's, like, trying to comfort her. He's oh, like, my what's God. a babe? I'll get you a babe. Uh, stop yeah. crying. <laughs> yeah. You told me crying is for damsels. Why are you like this? <laughs> She's crying. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that was that was so so good. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, and I, I think like you you didn't even like realize that I had this whole thing planned out. For, no, like, the first not at session all. Until... This, yeah, this was this this was the moment that I figured out that Cass and Faith were actually dating, and I was like, oh my god, this mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I, I've, sometimes I actually do plan things out way in advance. Sometimes. sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just sheer stupidity and luck. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you guys are, like all in the store and you eventually like realize like okay, we'll we'll help you with your hydra problem. Um, you guys then hear a gunshot outside. Um, yeah. And so as you all, like, rush outside, you see the, uh, large man that Essen was talking to in the bar who walked out of the bar after, um, Essen started mentioning the Hydras. Um, the large man is standing in front, uh, of a dead body, and, uh, you can see these, that he's holding a smoking coach gun in his hand. Um, and next to the large man is Reverend Salt, um, who taunts Boondock, uh, by basically saying just like, oh, hey. Didn't know you were back in town. I think Julia flipped um, him off. Yeah. No, Honestly, wait, I, when hasn't she? Except I, I don't one think time. it was flipping off. I, I think it was very specifically this. Um, I, I think Reverend Salt literally said like, "Hey, Boondock, didn't know you were back in town," and Julia immediately like waved high back or something. Oh yes, that's what happened. The one time she didn't flip somebody <laughs> off, she just waved high. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah um and that's where we yeah. ended that session and all of us were like what the fuck yeah cliffhangers cliffhangers um, are good and evil 
I, I really enjoyed doing the cliffhangers because it really guy like keeps you guys engaged for the next session because you guys all want to know like, oh man, what the fuck happened? What the fuck happened? I mean, um, we're all engaged pretty much all the time. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, this is more just kind of like uh, just the, the murmuring and everyone just kind of like uh, gasping, like, oh man, what's happening? What's happening? Um, yeah. And I, I also fucking pulled like the Walking Dead moment where I like I didn't tell you uh, who was the dead body that was shot. Right. Um, so you guys were all kind of speculating like, oh my god, is it is it Titus? Is it Ma Boondock? Uh, who, who who could this be? <laughs> yeah. Man, that was that was harsh, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, that was a really great session considering that I fucking bullshitted the entire half oh half yeah of it. <laughs> it was good though it really was yeah it really did um man oh man um, that, that's a that's a good like segue into this one of the quick questions like what are things that you think about when planning the next session because all of this was bullshitted somehow <laughs> yeah um so i try to find ways to kind of like bring um hooks from previous sessions into like the, the later sessions and kind of like uh, bruh, moving things uh or sorry uh to tie everything like together mm -hmm. um so the biggest thing is that like um if there's things uh, that you guys do as characters that have consequences like uh in the world i try to think about like the consequences like uh are there any long-term consequences for this and should i plan things out for later because they did they uh did this action um, I don't think we've had any, like, huge ones where you guys have, like, done something and, like, um, it's had consequences way down the line. Um, Cough. but I, there's what? been some, like, smaller ones where it's, like, uh, you, like, uh, took the barrel of alcohol and then it caused the fire elemental to burn on the entire train instead. Um, you know, I also broke federal crime, but we can skirt past that. <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that one real soon here uh, oh man that's gonna be a, a fun guy. episode to talk about <laughs> um i'll never let it go i think that's hilarious <laughs> in the moment ouch looking back at but it like <laughs> yeah because there was little to no consequences for it and like juliet did learn a pretty important lesson it was funny but like Oh boy, you could have lost your character. <laughs> I would have been so depressed because I love her. <laughs> I'm already committed. Oh my god. Um, the other things I kind of think about are like um, uh, ways that I can just like um, what are the things that you guys are kind of like looking for uh, in terms of like character goals and stuff like that. Um, so. For example, like, uh, because you guys, uh, wanted to befriend Titus, I was gonna give Titus more scenes where he would get, like, kind of a sort of redemption arc and become more sympathetic, um, and you guys are gonna get to, like, meet his sister and, like, uh, talk to her and, um, do the whole things with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I also then came up with a plan for, like, um, oh, if you guys wanted to explore this option, then, like, uh, Faith could be the one to help Titus's sister, um... And, yeah, so it's a lot of just, like, how can I build upon um, what's already there? And then how can I create more, like, um, interesting character moments to, like, get you guys to either feel a certain way or, like, disagree with each other or um, uh, try to, like, uh, do things that will kind of push your character arcs forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do you have anything that you guys th you think of when you're uh, planning out your um, campaigns? I think I... Okay. So, I'm only DMing one campaign at the moment. 
I love to play with emotions. I know that mm. sounds super sadistic, but I do. <laughs> um, so basically what I, like, last session, what we had, threw me for a, a loop, but I had something planned where I needed to get one of the members out of the party. Like, completely separate, like, segregated from the party. But one person had to, like, initiate it. So what I had happen... They wanted to, like, go look at the, the Moreau, um, like, hideout under this lake. And so they were swimming and stuff, and they didn't really find much, because um, all of them were dead. Long story. Um, so as they're swimming up, I wanted a march order, and they're like, we just defeated all of them. How does that make sense? I'm like, just just, just listen to me. I want to <laughs> know. Um, Akari, who is uh, a monk, she's basically like a Kiyoshi warrior from Avatar The Last Airbender. She's really yeah. cool. Um, something grabs her foot and drags her underneath the sand. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh my god, what the fuck? She's dead! Um, and I, I described it like this. She's like surrounded in black. She can breathe still. And she hears um, the big bad evil guy's voice surrounding her, just laughing. And she sees this girl, like um, a vision like right in front of her, like like kind of like a TV screen almost, of uh, this girl named Pearl that she has kind of like romantic feelings for. They're they're not canonly a ship yet. We'll see. Um, and she's walking toward this uh, town that they agreed to meet at in the dark, holding a lantern. And she's then Xavier, that's the big bag evil guy's name, um, is like, "Do you want to see her again?" And she starts taunting him and shit, kind of like Juliet, like. <laughs> is this how you feel? Because I kind of hurt her <laughs> a little bit. And she's like, okay, okay, what? <laughs> I'm like, Man. I'm glad you understand. <laughs> oh, no, I completely do. But I still continue to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's one of those things where I just kind of feel bad as a DM because, like, of course this makes sense for your character, but also it makes sense for the bad guys then to immediately hurt you if you do these things. Wow, you're gonna flip <laughs> off this character? Yep, okay, well they're gonna smack you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm doing, I just think it's funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so he basically was like, you need to get her out of the party. And she's like, "Why? Don't ask questions, or she dies." And that was it. And I was, and ever, and that's kind of where we ended it a little bit. And they were like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" And I was like, eh -eh. "I made them cry the session before that." Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them cried. Um, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I have an end goal for them. It's just how, how, where they go from the story like each session is how I plan out the next session because if they're gonna if they still want to be in this this town Clearwater town that they're in before going on to another town then I'm gonna plan out a little bit more stuff like NPCs um little side quests they can do before they leave if that's what they want to do like they're pretty good at telling me what they want to do too and I kind I kind of steer them in the right path as best I can but sometimes yeah, I want to turn into a shark and swim up the water elemental. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, it really just depends on what they do and how I can immerse their characters even more in tragedy. Not all yeah. the time tragedy. Like, they got to see, like, a rat father. That was nice. They mm. got to meet death. That was cool. But, like, long story. <laughs> 
Like, I wish there was, like, a quote, like, a book I could make. Like, out of out of context D&D quotes. Like, yeah. I, I need to go wet myself. That's that's the quote. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I turn myself into a lighthouse. I turn, oh my god. I turn myself I am. into a lighthouse. Yeah, oh there's... my god. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna have real fun to... Uh, <laughs> talking about the most recent arc. Oh my god, that was so fucked up, but it was so good. So yeah, good. I, I, uh, just, just a little teaser of what's to come up ahead. I basically decided to, I fucking love Eldritch Horror so goddamn much, and that's such a bad thing for you guys as players. Um, but I basically made this, like, uh, horrible, like, uh, Eldritch Horror atmosphere where you guys had to go through, and, um, as I was doing it, one player, uh, I, I gave them a little bit of leeway with uh, this one tiny thing, and they described a better Eldritch Horror scenario than anything I had planned. <laughs> and oh my gosh. I'm infinitely mad because that was <laughs> the scariest thing I've ever seen, and it wasn't because of my stupid writing. <laughs> Literally, so oh my god. Out of out of context of the of the Phoenix art, we are all artists except for Shivam. Yes. <laughs> so it, we create so many like amazing things, and then there's then there's the things that haunt my dreams. <laughs> there's every time I close my eyes. Every I can't... time I close my eyes, I think of pancake acid. <laughs> that and eleven foot just... tall hops, like. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Well, that's just a bit of a spoiler for things to come up, but um. So many yeah, so, <laughs> it, and segueing, uh, I believe, to the end here. So if you guys want to eventually hear that uh, the lighthouse hop story, um, make sure to stay tuned. Um, if you want us to help us keep making this content, we have a Patreon link in the description. If you're on YouTube, um, yeah, thank you so so much for listening to uh, another episode of Phoenix Chat. Yeah. Phoenix chat. <laughs>